if you weren't here last week, to go online, mvfchurch.com, and listen to his message from last week. So you have an idea of where we as a church plan on moving as we um, step forward into a future that is a little bit nerve-wracking, but we really do believe it's where God's leading us, because um, we want our church on board. Last year, about a, by, probably about 15 months ago, we went through a little series called God, I Have a Question. And what we did was we put out little cards and we said, what are some questions that you have that you would like answered? And then we kind of have to sift through those cards and kind of figure out what, car, what questions are more common than others or there's some themes coming up. And we liked it so much that this year we did it again. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of months, you might have noticed for about a month there was a little piece of paper in your bulletin that, that asked if you had any questions. And we collected the questions that were turned in. And what we did was we, we kind of found a couple themes that are, are, and we're kind of making this a yearly thing, hopefully to every year have a time to answer some tough questions. And today's question is a tough question, but it's oh so good. So uh, what I want you to do is I want you to open up with your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, as we look at this first question, which is called, how do we hear the voice of God in our lives? How do we hear the voice of God? It's John chapter 10. Hey, Josh, are you in here? Can I get that handheld? The Britney Spears mic isn't working. The Justin Bieber mic isn't working. No, it's working for you. It falls off my face, though. <laughs> it's doing, it's open, it's the, the door opening thing. The verses on the board, I put them a little bit wrong. I, I meant a five when I put a three there. We're going to be reading verses two through five, but kind of to set the tone, how many of you have one of these? How many of you are awesome and have one that made by Apple? Yeah. Amen. Holla, amen. Uh, I have one of these, and um, when, I, when I communicate with people, they're getting better and better with these iPhones. So like when I communicate, when I text Josh, my phone will say, Delivered means that he got that message. He might not have read it yet, but he's got it. It even says underneath my, my message, it says delivered. And then this cool thing happens where it actually starts putting up like three little dots that start doing dot, 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 dot. And that means that he is texting me back. And I don't know if you've ever like sent somebody a really kind of personal text message, something that you wanted in writing, because you knew they probably wouldn't answer their phone anyway, so you had to text them. And you sent them something personal, and then you get that delivered, and you're like, okay, now we wait. And then you get the dot, 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 which means they're starting to respond. It means they're typing. And then it goes away. And no response. Anybody know what I'm feeling? Especially when it's like something important, and you're like, Where? we know, no, dot, 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 come back. I need, to hear, I need to hear back from you. This is really important. And I don't know if you've ever been on the end of that text message where you're the one that got the dot, 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 and then it went away. And then a minute goes by. And then five minutes go by. And then 10 minutes go by. Pretty soon you're almost tempted to hit, pull it down and get a copy and copy it and then put it in there again. But you don't want to be like overzealous. You don't know what to do. So you just kind of go, okay, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Well, see, when we communicate with people, especially about important stuff, we expect to get a response. We expect to hear back. If we don't hear back after a while, we start to start going in our heads and going, did I do something wrong? Did I make them mad? 
Um, what should I do? Should I just call them, but they're not going to answer because this is 2017, they only text? What do we do? And so when we talk about this concept of hearing from God, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because we're talking about not just texting somebody an important message. We're actually talking about communi- communicating with the Creator God. And if He is listening, and if He is listening, does He still reply? Does God still reply? Now, I want you to have some grace with me as we jump into this message because the answer, my answer, our church's answer, might be different from what you would have typically answered. And I want you just to have some grace with me. This is a denominational divider. Now, I'm not super charismatic, um, and so, I, I mean, my answer probably won't be too out there, but I, I do want you to know that I might, I might say something that you don't agree with, and I just want you to have grace with me. Just say maybe. Maybe Mike is right. Maybe Mike is wrong. But I want you to have some grace with me because this is a big topic. You know, the reason that this question was asked was because somebody out there, one of you said, you know what? You guys keep talking about hearing from God, but what does he sound like? And our quick answer is Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Our longer answer is a little bit more complicated. So I had you open up with me to John chapter 10. I want you to read with me verses 2 through 5. John chapter 10 verses 2 through 5. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from them because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Please pray with me. Father God, I just pray that we would really get to the heart of this question. It's a really important question. In fact, it's probably one of the most important questions we've ever asked here. How do we hear your voice in our life? Lord, I pray you would would open open up your words in Scripture and bring them to life for us. I pray you'd challenge us. I pray you'd convict us. I pray you'd comfort us. Lord, we just pray we would get to hear your voice in different ways in our life. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, when I text somebody, I expect a response. There's this little passage in Isaiah, which is a fairly large book from one of the major prophets. And I was reading it this week, and this one part jumped out to me. In Isaiah chapter 58, the people of, of, of Israel are, are crying out to God, and they're fasting for God, but he's not hearing them. And I want to read something to you that I've always passed over, but this, this week, because of this topic, it kind of caught my attention. It says, for the day... For day after day, Israel seeks me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they said, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? No, he goes on after that and explains why he hasn't been answering their prayers. But something jumped out to me that I've always just crossed over. See, when Israel, even though they weren't doing what God called them to do, which is why he, was, he wasn't answering their prayers, they were anticipating God to reply somehow. And when they didn't hear back from God, guess what? They noticed. They said, something's wrong. They said, we've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been worshiping, but for some reason, God's not hearing us or he's not replying to us. 
And I never caught that before, that, that these people at this time, even though they were doing exactly the opposite of what God called them to do, when they were seeking Him, after they were seeking Him, they were waiting for God to reply. Now, we know back then they spoke mostly through prophets. But it, it got me thinking, how often do we, when we are praying, we're seeking God for different reasons, whether we're seeking Him for direction, who should I marry, should I take this job, should I buy this house, the big decisions when we're seeking God, sometimes those are the only times we're actually sitting back and waiting for Him to reply. And often, when we don't get an answer from God, at least the answer that we're hoping for, how often do we notice? Because I feel like we've kind of entered into a culture where we pray, but we don't regularly sit back and go, okay, God, I'm listening. Are you there? We kind of just go prayer, 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 send. And then we, then we close our phone. We turn it around. We go, oh, okay, God, I'm not listening. I'm done. I did my part. I, I said it. And I want you to remember that the core meaning of this message is that when we are seeking God, we also should be listening for God to reply. Now, does God reply in a verbal voice? In the Old Testament, he does sometimes. He spoke verbally to Moses. In fact, in, in the beginning of, of three of the Gospels, God spoke verbally to the people when Jesus was baptized. Imagine being there when this voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my son who I am well pleased. Imagine being there for that. God spoke verbally. God spoke through, he spoke to Joseph in a dream. He would actually communicate with Joseph in dreams. Does that mean that all of our dreams are God speaking to us? I really hope not. <laughs> I, get, I have wacko dreams. Any of you have wacko dreams? If that was God talking to me, we need a new religion because that was weird, okay? Um, in Acts 9, God spoke to Ananias through a, a vision telling him to go and find, um, at the time it was Saul, the persecutor, who was going to become the apostle of Paul. He spoke to him in a vision. In Numbers chapter 2, God spoke to Balaam through a... Yeah, that's the nice word. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. Balaam wasn't listening, and, 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 and literally God entered into somehow, turned around, and this donkey starts talking all Shrek-like to Balaam. See, God spoke in different ways, whether it's vision, whether it's dream. And what I want to talk about today is, is we kind of have to come to a couple conclusions today. It's 2017. The Bible was written a really long time ago. We have to ask this question ourselves. We, and this is all starting with the premise that God, God spoke during the Old Testament and the New Testament in this way. He spoke like this. But then we have to ask ourselves the question, does God still operate that way? Because some people say, no, God does not operate that way. That's okay. I think yes and no. Some people say, no, Mike, God doesn't operate that way. Or we come to a conclusion, we say, God does operate that way, but for whatever reason, he's silent towards us. We, we see there are times when God literally is silent. You know, when God, asks, when God does speak to you and you ignore him, and then you say, God, speak to us, and he goes, I already did. You just aren't listening. And then the, the third one is, God still operates this way, and he is communicating to us, but maybe we're just not listening. And I tend to lean primarily on the third one. I believe that God still does operate this way. Maybe not in a verbal voice. In fact, throughout the Bible, it only happens about this much. It's very rare. So for me, to expect or anticipate God to speak to me verbally might be a little naive. Because even God, God's major prophets, he often didn't speak to verbally. 
So for, for me to say, I'm not going to listen until God speaks to me verbally might be a little naive because God doesn't do that very often. But I still believe God speaks. In fact, in your notes, your first blank is God still speaks. God still speaks. It might not be in the way we want. It might not be a, a, a clear text message sent to us. But he still speaks to us. God is still hearing. God is still moving. And God is still communicating with us. Like I said, it might not be in the timing or the manner in which we want. Do you think Balaam woke up and said, I'm going to get to hear from God today. I'm going to get to hear from God today. And then when his donkey spoke, he went, whoa. <laughs> that was not expected. See, God might not speak in the way we want, but I believe that God still speaks. But I want to talk to you about ways that he speaks and ways that we today can be listening. And ways that I see through Scripture, especially through Paul's letters in the New Testament, where God is consistently speaking to his people. The first way he speaks to us is through the Bible, truth. God is constantly speaking to us through truth. And I know some, for some of us, especially if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to make a really big decision and you want to get that clear cut, this is the direction to go answer, we don't like this answer. We don't like the answer of the Bible. But see, remember this passage we're looking at where uh, God calls us, Jesus calls us his sheep, and we know him because we know we recognize his voice. And the number one voice that we have today is God's word in Scripture. You know, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, it, it, James, James 4.3, James says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, one of the greatest ways that the Bible, its truth speaks to us and is, is God responding to us is the Bible is God's Holy Spirit-inspired um, and directed word. And what it does is it helps judge between the thoughts of our hearts. It cuts in between some of the, the selfish motive and some of what God has really called us to do or the way he's really directing us. It cuts through all of that stuff. And more than that, God's word is, I love how Psalms chapter 119 said, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God's word is where we get familiar with the voice of God. God's word is the main primary way we get to distinguish between the voice of somebody who's going to lead us astray and the voice of Jesus. And if you don't know the voice of Jesus, we can't be surprised when we're led astray by something that's telling us that it's going to lead us to safe pasture. It's going to lead us into real life because we didn't know Jesus' voice. You know, if you've ever worked at a bank, uh, a, a lot of times when you work at a bank, you handle so much money that the moment that a counterfeit dollar comes through, you don't have to go back to your log and open up your counterfeit money binder and, and, and try and match it up. You usually, if you've ever worked at a bank, you know what I'm talking about. Right when it crosses your fingers, you can tell because it doesn't feel right. The printing's not right. The weight isn't right because you've handled so much money that when something that's false comes through, you just go, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. There's something about this. And that's that voice of the shepherd when we are handling God's word and we're learning and spending time in God's word. What's going to happen is you start to recognize his voice. 
so that when, when the voice of something else comes along, you, you hear it and you go, man, that just doesn't, that doesn't sound right. There's a lot of doctrines out there today that, that are getting really popular, and, 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 I'm, and I'm catching people falling into the trap of some of these false doctrines and these imposter gods. And, and right when I read them, I go, wait a minute, but that doesn't, oh, I can't exactly pinpoint what it is, but something about it doesn't seem like Jesus. And the only way you can do that is if you know his voice. And I know that that's not always the answer we want to hear, but that is the primary way God has given us the ability to hear from him today. You know, the devil, when he tempted Jesus, when Jesus went into the desert and he was tempted, the devil came at Jesus with three scriptures. Three scriptures that were out of context, that weren't true. They were, they were true within their context, but they weren't true for what Jesus was doing. And Jesus replied with scripture. But see, his scripture was in context. His scripture was, was true. The scripture he used, and Satan, every time Jesus, each time Jesus replied with scripture using its proper means, Satan walked away and came back later with a new one because he had no defense against God's word when it's used correctly. Now, it's very possible, if you're looking for God's will for your life, it's very possible to just flip open the Bible and go, yeah, don't do that one. Ask the beasts and they will teach you. Okay. Use it well. Use your mind. Use it the way that it was designed. Understand the Bible. Understand how God speaks to us. The second one is trials. The second way God speaks to us is trials. This is another one that we don't like, do we? Now, add on to trials, just put a, put a, a, a dash and put circumstances. I believe one of the greatest ways God speaks to us is through circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that every single circumstance or every trial or every temptation we have is an obvious open door like a sign on the wall. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that every time you have a closed door in life, God's trying to specifically speak to you, and every time you have an open door. I'm just saying that oftentimes it's in trials that we get to hear God's voice the most clearly. You know, C.S. Lewis, he said in his book, The Problem of Pain, he said, Pain or trial insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, trials is often where God gets our attention the most, isn't it? Because trials is when our comforts are kind of stripped away from us. And, and rather than relying on, on kind of the, everything we've always used to trust, we have to reevaluate what we're trusting our life to. See, trials, trials often is when something that you love is, is either threatened or stripped away. And it makes us come back to the master's feet and say, am I trusting my life to the right thing? Because I trusted that and it's gone. Trials is where our imposter kings and the, and the idols that we serve get, get light shown on them to see what they really are. That they're not strong. They're not gods. They can't save you. And trials is when we often get to see Jesus for who he is, often for the first time. Trials is also when we get stripped of our own strength. That's why we don't like trials, because tri when trials come, it means that my ability to solve this crisis on my own just got tested. And often, the, sometimes God uses trials in the most beautiful way by stripping us of anything we can do on our own so that we finally get to trust and see the strength of him. 
That's often when God speaks to us most is in the midst of trials. But we don't like trials. We like to get away from trials. But sometimes it's in the midst of those storms that we really get to experience God. If Moses and the Egyptians or the Israelites hadn't stood on the edge of the Red Sea, they wouldn't have seen a part. And that was because there was an army following behind him. If Jesus wasn't asleep in the back of the boat when it was in the storm about to be destroyed, they wouldn't have seen Jesus calm a storm. It's often in the midst of the trying circumstances that we get to see God move. And that's often when he reveals the motives of our hearts, the things we're serving, the things we're really pursuing with our life the most is in the midst of trials. I love how James says this in James chapter 1. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, he's saying not only are trials good, he said rejoice when you face trials. Because often that's when God's showing us and speaking to us loudest. Because we're finally hearing. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the distractions, in the midst of all the busyness, trials often get our attention, don't they? And we finally say, okay, God, I'm listening. What do you have for me? The third one is teachers. One of the ways God speaks to us is teachers. And I want you to put a dash and put community. Because it's not just teachers. I want to make sure you don't think that God... One of the ways God speaks to you primarily is through us up here because that's not what it means. It means that we are taught by others, and sometimes that is where we hear the voice of God. Here at Mountain View, we put a big emphasis on community. And the reason we put a big emphasis on community is because we don't believe that all the promises of God in Scripture are meant for us individually. Even though we live in a very individualistic culture where it's all about me and my personal relationship with Jesus, that's not found in Scripture. In fact, in the New Testament, almost every reference to the Holy Spirit being on the church was not the church is in me, but the church is in we. And that's why God gave us gifts, strengths, and weaknesses so that we could be strong for each other when when somebody else is weak. That's why he didn't make any one of us an all-star player so we could be a lone ranger in Christianity, but he actually gave each one of us limitations. Did you know that? He gave each one of us strengths and gifts And then he gave each one of us limitations so that we were forced to be in a position to have to rely on one another and rely on Jesus. And one of the ways that God communicates with us that we don't like is through each other, is through community, is having people in our lives who are willing to say tough truths that we don't want to hear. You know, it's it's our best friends that can often admonish us the most, but it's also our best friends that can often tell us the truth we don't want to hear. You know, I love how um, King Solomon said it in Proverbs. He said, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend could be trusted. 2 Timothy 2.2, the Apostle Paul writes, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. See, one of the reasons we believe in community here is because we believe that often God is going to use the wisdom and the experience of those around us to help give us direction. And often it's going to be like hearing from God himself. Now, there's always a a human error aspect to it. You know, I've been in community where somebody felt like God was telling them to say something to me prophetically, and they walked up to me and said it, and I went, no. 
One example is Kristen and I, we lived in Mexico, and uh, we, were, we were in our first year of marriage, and we were at this Christian camp where they were telling all of the kids to speak prophetically, which I don't necessarily agree with. And uh, one kid walked up to Kristen, and he said, guess what? You're pregnant. And she happened to be at this certain time of a month when um, pregnancies don't happen. And Kristen said, I appreciate you, like, taking the step of faith, but I don't think you heard that from God. And he goes, yeah, I did. And we just let it go. You know, it's not always going to be accurate. In fact, I don't, I don't encourage, I never encourage, you know, the, the gift of prophecy or the gift of speaking words of wisdom is not a gift for everybody. And you'll know if you have it. If you don't have it, don't pretend like you have it. And, uh, but when it comes to our community, there is going to be an, uh, a, a, a point of error. There's going to be an element of error that's part of it. But when you live in a loving communal relationship with others, people who love you, they're going to speak truth into your life sometimes. And you get to speak truth into their lives. Like when we talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are not for you to open. They're not God's gift to you, just so you know. They're your gift to the church. It, it, you don't, I mean, unless you're a mom, you don't buy yourself presents and then get everybody around and open them up. They buy you presents Unless your mom, I totally understand that now, okay? But for, for the rest of us, you don't buy yourself presents and open them. You don't wrap a present and then act surprised. Your present, your gift is for the church. And for some of you, God has given you words of wisdom or he has given you insight for those that you love and those that you do community with so that you can help guide them. Because Teachers, those who are, are, are teachers and those who are teachable is one of the ways that God communicates with us. And then um, the last one is impressions. I still believe God speaks to us through impressions. Now, before you add your own like theology onto that word, let me explain what I mean by impressions. I mean, sometimes God puts, impresses you with something, which means he, he, he puts something on you and it leaves a mark. That's all. I'm not saying that some of you, God puts an impression on you and all of a sudden you like have this giant vision for how everything's going to end and you need to tell the whole world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes, especially for those of you who are prayers, God will put something heavy on you and you can't shake it. You know, usually impressions come with pain. When you have compassion for somebody, often compassion that comes through prayer, often that's God giving you a pain for somebody else so that you'll do something. Because often we're not moved to action until we hurt. Is that, you know what I mean? You know, if, as a parent now, to watch my daughter hurt, I'm starting to experience real pain. I thought I'd experienced pain before until I saw my daughter hurt. And then there's, this is a whole different level of pain. You know what I mean? And sometimes God puts things heavy on us so that we'll do something about it. And sometimes it's, it's these impressions. And like I said, don't, don't think too much into it. All I mean is that sometimes God puts something heavy on you so that you'll do something. And I have personally experienced where God has put a burden on me that when I ignore it, what does he do? He makes it heavier. <laughs> he makes it heavier and heavier and heavier. And then I go, God, you told me that you were supposed to take away all of my burdens. And he goes, this one's different. You need to do something. And sometimes God speaks to us through these impressions. Now, that impression could come from a dream. I'm not a big fan of, of turning all of your dreams into doctrinal statements. Like I said, if that was reality, I am in trouble. Some of the stuff I do in my dreams should not be talked about from a stage. <laughs> they don't make sense. But can God use it? Sure. 
If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through a dream. Some people, God's going to speak through a vision, maybe not a vivid vision like the Apostle Paul had. Maybe it's more of a vision of the future. Maybe it's more uh, looking at what could happen, what could be, and saying, you could be a part of this. Let's do something. Sometimes that's it. I think our church vision came from a burden. And I don't think that the clouds opened up and God said, this is what you're going to do. I think we looked at this world that we live in and we said, how could God change the world we live in right now? That's an impression where God is just doing something and he's moving in a new way. Now, I don't believe, I want to say this really clearly, when it comes to like the impressions or what God's telling you in prayer, the Apostle Paul multiple times tells us to always test those types of things to make sure they're true. Because there is such a thing as a false prophet. There is such a thing as really wanting something in our hearts so we make it God's voice. You know what I mean? That's why the word of God cuts through that and, it, and, and, it, and exposes the thoughts and intents of the heart. Is because sometimes we want something so bad that we make it the voice of God. But it's not always the voice of God. You need to test those things to make sure they're true. And I would, I would warn you, don't ever say, thus saith the Lord to somebody else, unless thus saith the Lord. Is that fair? When you put one of the reasons that hearing from God is such a taboo subject today is because we live in a world where lots of people have used thus saith the Lord when thus didn't saith the Lord. And when it doesn't happen or when it doesn't come true or when it was, it was, it was foolishness, God's the one that looks dumb. Because, but God didn't say it. And so when it comes to having impressions and stuff and how you hear from God, you need to be really careful to make sure that it, it aligns with Scripture. you got to make sure it aligns with the character and mission of Jesus Christ. If, if you know, I, I've heard stories about people coming up to their pastor and saying, I feel like God's telling me I need to get a divorce and marry my secretary. I just really feel like it's really just heavy on me. Yeah, it is. It's not God, though. <laughs> Test those types of things. We as a church, we don't personally believe in new revelation, meaning that if God tells you something that is about God that is not in Scripture, we don't, we don't take it as truth. We believe that the Scripture as a whole is complete. But we do believe that there is such a thing as God giving you wisdom that's already in Scripture to speak into the lives of others. We believe that's absolutely true. Sometimes even though we have this in front of us, sometimes it takes somebody on their knees in prayer for God to show them that what we need to hear even though it's in there, we're not seeing it. And that's the kind of impression we're talking about. We're not talking about new revelation. We're not talking about new truths. We have everything we need right here. We're talking about having the boldness to, when God's putting a burden on you, to seek God out and say, God, what are you trying to show me through this burden? Because you're not lifting it off of me. And then your last blank in your notes is, are we listening? Are we listening? Further down in John chapter 10, it says, My sheep listen to me, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. See, when, when we talk about hearing God's voice, it's really, really important to first ask the question, are we really listening to Jesus? I personally believe that seeking God's voice in moments where I need clarity or I need clear direction, sometimes those things can become idols to a Christian when we weren't always promised clarity. We weren't always promised. We were, we were given instructions to follow the master's voice, but the master's voice doesn't always say, you're going to go there and then there and then there and then there and then there, and I'll meet you there. What shepherd would do that? 
See, we're not supposed to know everything. And so sometimes when we ask this question, God, I want to hear your voice. God, are you speaking to me? It becomes a form of idolatry where we say, God, I don't really want to follow you. I just want to know the answers. And sometimes God doesn't want to give us the answers. Sometimes God doesn't want to give us the answers because he wants us to follow him. Sometimes we don't know where we're going, but it's okay because we get to follow him. And when it comes to having God give us a clear direction, am I supposed to marry this person? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to move to this city? You know, sometimes I personally believe Mike's theology is I don't think God cares that much about a lot of the details. Because if you follow him, you're going to be okay. And if his Holy Spirit's inside of you, and nothing can pluck you out of his hand, you could choose anything, and guess what? You're going to be with Jesus. You're going to be following him. And it's really important when we take this idea of hearing from God that we don't forget that, one, we need to be listening. And two, don't try and listen without following. Hearing from God is always found in the context of following Jesus. If you're not following him, don't expect to hear from him. But if you are following him, even if you're not getting the clear answers you want, that's okay. Keep following him. He's not giving you clear direction. Keep following him. You're not getting the answer you anticipated. You bought a donkey. It's still not talking. <laughs> Keep following him. I love how uh, um, Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, he said, Learning to hear God is much more about becoming comfortable in continual conversation and learning to constantly lean on the goodness and love of God than it is about turning God into an ATM for advice or treating the Bible as a crystal ball. You know, it's not a formula. There's no formula to hear from God. We are given the invitation to follow Jesus. And in that, you're going to find all the answers you need. And if you're not finding an answer, guess what? Keep following Jesus. Maybe you don't need that answer right now. Maybe you don't need that answer. For, for me, the, the, often the times kind of to get personal that I might my, my usually seeking, I've never really sought God really hard against a certain direction because I felt like God was leading me that way and I just went. My conversations with God have typically been, why? Why did you allow this to happen? What is your reasoning behind this? And in and, and hindsight, I love that God doesn't always give me an answer. I love that God just says, I love you, follow me. You're not always going to know. And that's okay, because I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep. I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep. Learn my voice. Learn my voice. And when something else calls at you, you'll recognize that it's not my voice. And just follow me. At the end of the day, it's about following Jesus. Hearing God is about following Jesus. He uses all those different tools, the Bible. He uses other people. He uses trials. He uses impressions on our soul. But at the end of the day, if you want to hear from Jesus, start following Jesus. And if you're following Jesus and you're struggling with a question, just keep on following him. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking him. There's nothing wrong with that. Be persistent. You know, our, our God doesn't get sick of us. He actually loves us quite a bit. But keep on following him and see what he has in store. I want to close with one more verse. This is from Psalms chapter 37, verse 3 through 4. 
Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see that? Enjoy safe pasture. He's got your back when you follow him. He will protect you when you follow him. He will provide for you when you follow him. He will lead you where you need to go if you follow him. And when you take delight in God, not knowing the right answer, not having a clear-cut clarity of what I'm supposed to do, but when you take delight in knowing him, he said, all those things your heart desires, guess what? You're going to get them. All those things that you're really hoping and living for, they might not be the way you expected, but all those things you're going to get because first and foremost, you took delight in knowing him. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a God that still listens. I thank you that you're, you're a God that still communicates and speaks to us. I thank you, Lord, that even though we don't always get the, the answer we want, whether it's the answer we, we, design, we desire or the answer in our time frame, I thank you that you are always listening to us. Lord, I thank you that even when you're silent, your silence is a message to us. That sometimes you've already given us direction, but we don't want to receive it. Lord, thank you for being a God that's alive and a God that, that communicates with us. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who follow you and be a people who listen for your voice. Lord, throughout all the noise, all the TV, all of the, the, the celebrities, all of the competing idols in our lives, I just thank you that your voice will cut through all of that if we would just listen. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who specifically is, is praying for, a, for you to show up in a, in a specific or a new way, praying for answers, praying for direction, or maybe just praying why. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace and comfort to them. I pray that they would engage a relationship of following you in a much deeper, more intimate level through this situation. Lord, I thank you that you don't give us all the answers, but instead we get to follow you. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, church, we're going to go into another.